พุทังธรรมังสังฆังนมัสส
perspective maybe however if as soon as we get up from our cushion and start moving around and start talking then our practice ceases well that's unfortunate so there's the encouragement to do in daily life and in formal practice to pay attention to the four modes of movement intentionally doing formal practice while sitting intentionally doing formal practice while standing while walking while lying down with the possibility that that there's an aliveness our interest that which motivates us in practice is going to be there more constantly then there's also the Buddha's encouragement on the the four right efforts or samawayama as we were just chanting in the Dhamma Chakrabhuatana Sutta the the four right efforts it's not just a matter of making one kind of effort like perhaps for many of us who came across meditation as an exercise in concentration even though it might have been called mindfulness probably for many of us we, we were just practicing concentration holding attention steady on an object and until something happened and there's a shift and recognize the different ways of experiencing life and then we, if we're not careful, we can just attach to the idea that concentrating attention is the whole of practice. Where that's just one kind of effort. How do we apply that attention and then, uh, with regards to wholesome and unwholesome states? And how do we apply attention to, for instance, the, the Buddha talked about the, the kind of effort required to give rise to as yet unarisen wholesome states of mind. So maybe, for instance, we perhaps see ourselves as maybe a little cold-hearted, not very caring, just maybe overly self-interested. And, and so what kind of effort is required? The effort to give rise to perhaps compassionate attitude. How do, what sort of effort is that? And, or the effort to maintain already arisen wholesome states of mind. Is that the same? as the effort to give rise to as yet unarisen wholesome states of mind. Sometimes is a, an assertive effort is required for. Other times it's a more yielding, you know, like to protect already arisen wholesome states of mind, you know, that attitude of caring for, and, and maybe it means like if we've been on retreat for a week and slowed down and not so much talking and discover a little inner calm and clarity and we really value that what kind of effort is required to maintain that calm and clarity without clinging to it say oh this calm and clarity this is great this is the real point of meditation and so I'm not going to talk to anybody and so get put on dishes and you refuse to talk to the other person doing dishes even though they might be just making a friendly totally appropriate conversation I'm maintaining my calm and clarity and that's holding too tightly is there a right way of protecting calm and clarity Mm. or the right effort to remove already risen unwholesome states of mind we recognise some tendency that we have to follow perhaps laziness like we determine that we're going to get up and in the morning at a certain time and, and spend 
20 minutes doing exercises before we go to morning chanting. And, and yet, then when the alarm goes off, we wake up and think, oh, no, no, I can't be bothered. Maybe tomorrow. And then we do the same thing tomorrow. And then the next day, and we recognize, well, oops, there's a pattern there. That's called laziness. That's lack of resolve, lack of focus, lack of determination. And so what sort of effort is required to remove already risen unwholesome states of mind, like laziness? Or the fourth of the four right efforts, uh, what sort of effort is required to avoid the arising of the as yet unarisen unwholesome states of mind? To protect ourselves from the as yet unarisen unwholesome states of mind. These are not necessarily going to be the same sort of effort. So to familiarize ourselves with these four modes of effort and, and then in this context, in this contemplation on agility, encourage yourselves to be ready to change gear. If you're used to driving a car, and you, well, it's one thing to be just driving along the motorway and that's very straightforward, but if you're going round a bend and up a hill at the same time, how do you change gear just at the right time the right way to maintain momentum to make that incline how do you learn that well this is a kind of application of attention and so agility appreciating agility in, in terms of the effort that gets made presumably all of us by now will have recognized in formal meditation how we need to be agile in the different uh, obstructions that we encounter was classically referred to as the, the Nivaranas and, and the kind of approach that is called for when we're feeling sleepy you've had enough sleep and there's no reason for feeling sleepy other than perhaps avoiding something and it can be a real obstruction, a real issue and what, how do we how do we, how do we encourage ourselves? What sort of effort is required to encourage ourselves when, when we're uh, caught up in that state? Or contrasting that, if we're feeling restless, not just sleepy and drowsy, but restless, then can't stay still, got so much energy. What sort of effort is required? So being prepared recognizing the need for agility of approach. Particularly right now as we leave this mode of being on retreat into daily life activity, to be ready, to be willing, just just that word, to be agile. Just remember, be agile. And even if we do find ourselves resisting and and getting tense and going into, oh, I wish I didn't have to talk to anyone, oh, I wish I didn't have to do this. Well, what is that? Are we agile enough to catch ourselves, or do we just fall into believing in that thought? We can learn a lot from listening to our teachers in this regard. And I can remember for many, many years ago, hearing it reported how one of Ajahn Chah's teachers, I forget 
which one it was now, but he had this expression that when the obstructions come low, you jump over them. When the obstructions come high, you duck under them. And just that image is useful. Huh? To be ready to not always apply the same sort of technique. Because maybe for a while, some sort of approach works. However, the forces of delusion are very tricky. The habits of mind that we've been cultivating for a long time can imitate our practice. Find some little trick, some little technique of supporting clarity and calm and it works for a while. And then the next thing you know, it's not working anymore. We need to be ready to change gear, as I say. And I often think it's helpful to also register the intensity of the obstruction, the amount of energy that they're charged with. Some obstructions are not very highly charged and they don't require a lot of effort. In fact, maybe you can just ignore them. Some distraction, some obstruction comes up and it's not very powerful and and the right approach to it is just to what I refer to as cutting through just and just cut through it just refuse to give it any attention other distractions are more intense and if you ignore them there's a chance that they will disappear into the basement so to speak it's just you go into denial and ignoring them is not the right approach. So we need to change our approach to be agile. And, and, that, and that level of, of intensity, it's what's called for us often is reflecting on what's going on here. Where's this coming from? Maybe let go of our meditation object and just look at the very feeling of being obstructed the feeling of restlessness, the feeling of irritation, to look directly at it and question it, strike up a conversation with it, get to know it. I refer to that as seeing through, so cutting through, seeing through, and then the third level of intensity, which I refer to as burning through, where sometimes there's that intensity that is really nothing much you can do about it other than endure it. And some people don't have to deal with such obstructions. However, if you do, then it's your responsibility. It's part of your practice. And it's smart to, to be ready for that, to be prepared for that. Now, trying to just ignore it and carry on concentrating on the breath and thinking it shouldn't be this way, that's probably not going to help. Thinking about it, there's a chance you just get pulled into the vortex of pain and and get overwhelmed by it, and that, that would be unfortunate. So we resolve to just patiently endure it. This feels too much. And maybe in such circumstances the right approach is just clearly, consciously determined 
I'm going to patiently endure this, not try and fix it, not try and make it right, not try and sort it out, not try and understand it. Now, addiction to understanding, we often feel is justified because we feel that it's responsible. However, the right kind of understanding is going to emerge when we're really ready. If some sort of obstruction like that is happening, we're, we're probably not really ready. And so it's a different sort of effort. So once again, agility is an aspect of competence that is really worth making conscious, upgrading our agility ability. This period of transition from from more retreat mode into daily life mode. So coming back to daily life activity, it's also skillful to to register where we're fixating on views, where we have fixed views about things. You know, clinging to views can give us a, a sense of relative certainty. It's very evident in the world that we live in, and particularly these days where clinging to self-views is um, happening everywhere. And taking sides for and against particular fixed positions and it's evident that it's not very conducive to cooperation or harmony. As it is on the outside, so it is on the inside. That Where we cling to a view hoping that it's going to give us a sense of security because maybe something like that used to work in the past now it can just make us more divided and so keep an eye out for that I am this sort of a person I don't want to go on retreat again because I can't do solitude so we fixate on that opinion of ourselves I'm somebody who can't do solitude or I'm somebody who I'm I'm a very private person I I find it difficult to talk to people so I'm going to avoid people and when we see such views, we see them for what they are. Say, All right, that's an opinion. Maybe, maybe it's true. Maybe I'm a bit of a private person. But does that mean I can't learn? So, in a skillful way, in a careful way, opposing these fixed positions that we hold. Skillful opposition, not heroically trying to overcome all our limitations. That. Yeah. That can make things much worse. And being a hero is not necessarily recommended. Modesty, the Buddha praised modesty and and humility. So if you, you say, "I'm a lazy person and I just sleep in all the time," and and I, all the other monks I know, they get up in the morning and they do their qigong and they do their yoga and they do their exercises and I'm such a slob and I've got to do something about it and so set your alarm for three o'clock in the morning and get up and have a cold shower and and go out jogging or something. You maybe manage to do it because you've got the enthusiasm and the zeal to to do it once or maybe twice and, and, and then fade out and go back to being lazy again. A more skillful approach might be, well, get up just a little bit earlier, like 15 minutes earlier. 
And yeah, maybe take a shower. It doesn't have to be a freezing cold shower. And do five minutes of exercise. And then gradually build up. Build up confidence. So finding the places where we are stuck on views about ourselves. Like, I can't do chanting. I'm a hopeless chanter. It's all right for this monk or that monk. Or he's a great chanter and I can't do chanting. I'm we start by learning some simple chants, small bits of chanting. It's, probably, it's possibly true that education didn't encourage you with rote learning and that level of that sort of competence was never encouraged. And it doesn't mean to say that we can't change. And not just with not just views with regards to ourselves, but also views about other people. I have a problem with that person. Well, that person is a hopeless case. That's an opinion. Do we really know that person is a hopeless case, or is it just a reflection of of something we don't perhaps like about somebody? Or maybe they think we've got a problem with them. So keeping an eye on those situations where we make ourselves rigid. We're looking for some sense of security, some sense of certainty. However, the certainty and the security the Buddha was encouraging us to cultivate is that certainty and security which comes with the kind of awareness that's not polluted by the habits of clinging. The habits of clinging are like like pollutions in awareness that mean that awareness can't function properly. So we not necessarily bad intentions that make us attach to views, it's just unawareness that causes us to attach to views. So once again, this one mode of, of practice into daily life activity mode again, an opportunity to reflect on what is it that helps us accord with life? What is it that means we can learn from all the situations we're in? We don't want to develop a form of practice whereby we have like some sort of rare exotic plant that needs super special conditions to live in. Yes, somewhat protect ourselves, absolutely. Because we don't want to be surrounded by total craziness. However, let's not get too specialized. And let's cultivate a form of practice which means we're able to accord with conditions that are sometimes agreeable, sometimes disagreeable, being able to accord with change. Remember that that stanza, that often quoted stanza, Sabe Sankara Anicca, that all conditioned phenomena are unstable, unsure. Mm -hmm. Seeing this with insight, one is disinclined to engage the whole heap of suffering. This is the path of purification. This is the the Buddha's declaration or statement of the path of purification. Seeing the instability, seeing the uncertainty with insight, bringing mindfulness to bear on the very feeling of feeling uncertain, instead of turning towards old habits of clinging to get some sort of artificial sense of certainty and security, looking at the very feeling of feeling uncertain and insecure, 
exercising awareness in that pursuit. So the next few days, the next three days, I would strongly encourage us all to use this opportunity to, we don't have any big work projects on, so let's take it gradually, let's not miss out on the opportunity to learn what there is to learn. So I hope that this short reflection on agility will support us all as we hopefully progress on this path of purification. Thank you for your attention. Handamayangamakaya sadhukarangadamase sadhukarangadamase